So if you could open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3. And let me give you the backdrop. This is Solomon, King Solomon. He was just appointed king by his his father, David. Um, David was a great man. Um, Of course, you can refer to the Bible. It calls him a man after God's own heart. Um, So here we have David. He appoints Solomon as king. And... We'll pick it up at verse 5. So 1 Kings chapter 3, we'll start at verse 5. It says, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask whatever you want me to give you. So here's the question. Ask whatever you want me to give you. Similar question I asked you guys. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I would do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be or never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and my commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. See, in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 34, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here we have... Solomon just got confronted by God in a dream, and God asked him this very question that I had just asked you guys. Ask whatever it is you want, and I will give it to you. Whatever it is. Now, we have to understand the context of what Solomon was going through. He's a young king at this time, probably about the same age as me, 25. Um, Okay, I'm not 25. I'm actually 33, but a little bit younger than me. Let's just say that. A little bit younger than me. So that's where he's at in his life. Now, we got to understand a young person giving so much power and so much wealth, it is astonishing that he had asked for something that no one probably would have asked for. And this is probably the same reason why God had placed him in this position as king over his people. See, it's astonishing that when you ask someone, if I were to ask, look at the things that I've asked or that the young people have said, they ask for things like ponies, which is fine. That's a great wish. I wish I could give you one. But no one in their right mind would have thought that Solomon would have replied with wisdom or discernment or the ability to judge with right and wrong. And the reason why it's astonishing is because at that very young age, at that tender age where you're in your 20s going on 30s, it seems like, especially in today's time, in the 2013 going to 2014, that a young person would definitely like myself, young, I like to consider myself young, but would ask for things like money, 
more power, more money, more fame, a much better reputation than I have now because we all struggle for the, the chance to be accepted in today's society and most times, more times than not, today's society attributes that to money, fame, and power. For what is wisdom? Here's the definition of wisdom or discernment. It is good sense, the ability to make sensible decisions and judgments based on personal knowledge, experience, wise decision, good sense shown in a way of thinking, judgment, or action. Discernment is keenly selective judgment, good taste, and judgment. So here we have Solomon, his ask, his great ask for for himself, of what God can give him is wisdom. And things we need to understand about Solomon on why he is able to ask this type of question is, let's start with this, that Solomon in this passage have a, has, a genuine, has a genuine idea of the authority of God. He has a genuine fear of who God is. And I'm not talking about just fear as in scared, but he understands what kind of authority God has over his life and over his rule. If we see in the beginning of the passage, he talks about humbling himself before God, calling himself a child, even though we know he was not a child. He was, in fact, in his 20s about. He calls himself a servant to God. He says, I am just your servant. Again, humbling himself, knowing that he is absolutely being asked this by our creator, by the one who has all authority over heaven and on earth. So we can understand that while we are asking for wisdom or the importance of wisdom, it is also important to understand this fear or this authority that God has over our lives. The second thing he has is his motivation. What was Solomon's motivation in his asking? I know. I'll try to make it more fun for you. Okay. So what was his motivation for his asking? I would say it's love. Solomon was motivated by love. So I have three, three questions for you to ask of what's your motivation if God were to ever ask you, what is it that you want from me? The first one is this, am I being God-centered? See, so we can see that Solomon was definitely God-centered because he had placed God in that authority position. He had shown to God and he had spoken to existence this fear that he had of God calling himself a servant, calling himself a child. I heard someone say this before. When you're playing basketball, like myself, I'm not very good, so I, I can play basketball. I can think I'm very good at it. But if someone that's way better than me comes in and plays basketball, and it's obvious that, he, that he's way better than me, more times than not, I'm going to refer to myself as not very good. I'm going to refer to myself as, oh, I'm just, uh, I can play, I'm not very good, uh, you're so much better than me. Why is that? It's not that I'm bad at basketball, it's just that I recognize that there's someone that's way better than me, so I'm going to refer to myself as somebody that's maybe a little bit less good than that person that is real good. So am I being God-centered? Are we placing God at the forefront of everything we do. The second thing is, am I being others focused? Am I being others focused? In my request, am I thinking about blessing other people in what I'm asking for? 
Or is it just out of selfish ambition or a selfish request? See, like myself, if God were to ask me that, I probably would have said money. I probably would have asked for, you know, one of those made-up numbers, a gazillion dollars. I want a gazillion dollars, whatever number that is. Why? It's because out of this, in this context, sometimes I might not be thinking others-focused, and I might just be thinking about myself, trying to get myself out of this situation that I'm in, um, given this very time, and so I might just make a selfish request like that. So are you being others-focused? In this passage, we see that Solomon was most definitely others-focused. In his request, he said, I want wisdom, I want discernment to govern or to rule over your people and to be able to judge from right and wrong. So we can definitely see that he was others-focused. And the last one is, am I being kingdom-driven? What is the thing that drives you day-to-day? Are you thinking about God's kingdom in pursuit of this spreading of the gospel that God has commanded us to do? Are you kingdom-driven? Is God at the forefront of everything you do? Do you place others um, before yourself? And are you kingdom-driven, as in, do I really want to spread this gospel that God has entrusted in us? You see, God has given us some very specific commands. He said, love God, love others, preach the gospel to all nations. Love God, love others, preach the gospel to all nations. Am I God-centered? Am I others-focused? And am I kingdom-driven? And we can see that in this life of Solomon that he has, and that he is most definitely motivated by this love, this love of God, this love of the God that, that bestowed upon his father David, and this love of God that has entrusted him now with that same rule, that same responsibilities that he saw his father go through. So he was most definitely motivated by love. The second thought I want you to think about is Solomon was most definitely directed by knowledge and insight. Directed by knowledge and insight. And for this, I have three questions for you. Have you done your work of prayer? Have I done the work of prayer? How is my prayer life right now? What are the things that I'm doing in my spare time? Is it TV or is it prayer? Are you communicating to God in a sense that all you're doing is making requests? And I shared this in the first service. As I grew up, my prayer life kind of changed and the focus a little bit shifted. See, before when you're a kid, you just pray, dear God, bless my family, uh, protect me, uh, please give me these things. So is that what our prayer life is like where we're just making requests to God and what God can do for you? Or maybe our prayer life should start to change and maybe we start to listen to what God wants us to do for him. The other question is, have I done the work of reading? What is my reading life like? What am I filling my brain with? See, there's different types of food you can feed your brain. There's junk food and there's healthy food as far as feeding your brain. Junk food isn't really bad for you. It's just not good for you. It's kind of like stuffing. You don't, you're not going to get any health benefits out of it. You're just stuffing yourself with things, things that you're reading, things that you're looking at, and you're just stuffing yourself. So at the end of the day, when you try to get a little bit of God, you've already stuffed yourself with so much of other things. So how is your reading life? 
Are you reading God's word or are you just giving it minimal time as opposed to maximum amount of time? So have you done the work of reading? And this is not just reading the Bible. This is reading other materials. Like I'm so thankful for working here because I have about, in the year's time, I have six books that I've been assigned to read. That is six books more than I've ever been assigned in the other 32 years of my life. And I've probably read more books in this one year than I've ever read in my life. It's astonishing. But I'm so thankful for it because now I'm up to date on the current things that are happening. I am up to date on the, the new wave of Christian teaching. I'm hearing others' ideas through these books. I'm hearing what God has to say about these people's ideas through these books. So what is your reading life? Have you done the work of reading? The last thing is, have I done the work of thinking? Are you challenging yourself? Are you challenging your theology? Are you asking those tough questions about who God truly is? See, we can come here every Sunday and listen to a sermon and then leave and just accept it. Accept what the guy on the stage is saying to me, and I've accepted what he says, and I'll believe that it's truth because he said it's of God, and why else should I question it? But I challenge you, question. Ask yourself. Ask yourself those deep questions. So have you done the work of thinking? And again, all of this is just so you can be directed with the knowledge and the insight that you have, with these questions that you have, with these things that you've been praying about, with these things that you've been reading about that God has directed you to listen to and follow by. Also to give you the knowledge of what others may think, what others may feel about specific topics and what others may feel so that they can give you a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more insight into what's happening. So what does it all mean? So if you have this genuine fear of God and you're motivated by love, to love God and love others, you're keeping yourself God-centered, others-focused, kingdom-driven, but also being directed by the knowledge and the insight that you have just gotten by praying, by enhancing your prayer life, by enhancing your reading life, by enhancing your thinking, all of these things will factor into discernment, which is making these sound judgments, making these wise decisions, which is the same thing that Solomon had asked for, and which is the same thing that Solomon had wanted in his life. And why is that? Why of all the things on earth that he could have asked for, why did he ask for wisdom? Because Solomon understood one thing, and that without wisdom, Solomon would have never been able to fulfill God's purpose for him and God's calling for him. Let me say that again. Without wisdom, Solomon would have never been able to fulfill God's calling and God's purpose on his life. God had put him in that place to be a wise ruler over a great people, and he could have never done it at his young age without wisdom and without discernment. Could he have done it with a little bit more money? Uh, sure. A little bit more power? A little bit more honor? Uh, sure. But he would have never been a great king if he didn't have wisdom and discernment. And which is why we all today need to learn how to live like Solomon did. Live a little bit more wisely. Make these little bit better judgments and decisions that we are faced with every single day. But we can only do that if we have this genuine fear of who God is. 
understand, truly understand his authority over our lives. Also, maybe we need to change our motivation. Maybe we need to change our motivation for our asking and what we want from God and what God wants from us. Maybe it needs to be centered around love and also direct ourselves with this knowledge and insight that we now have as we have enhanced our life and our, enhanced our, our lifestyles. See, what I love about the video is this tractor that the village people have been pushing and pulling around and it was never their, its intended purpose. That tractor's purpose was to be driven by one person without a group of people having to push and pull it around and nobody ever knew it unless they were able to get a hold of a book, get a hold of a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more knowledge on how things ought to be, on the tractor's true purpose. See, many of us right now are sitting in our seats are doing the same thing with our lives. We're just going through the motion and going through, going through life every single day just, just, just because of the way it's been all these years. Maybe we ought to gain a little bit more wisdom, gain a little bit more knowledge and insight, actually be motivated by love to do these things so that we too can live out our own purpose that God has called us to do. Maybe to live out this calling that God has placed on our lives. But we can never figure that out unless we ask for wisdom. Unless we choose, make a conscious effort to live wisely. So I've got five quick ways you can learn to live wise. And then we'll be done. And that's this. The first one, listen to God's word every day. Every day. It is something that you need to learn how to do. It is an action. You listen to God's word every day through your prayer life, through your reading life. The second one, enlist friends. Enlist the friends that speak life into you, that build you up, not tear you down. We have these small groups that you're going to be able to sign up for. These are the type of groups that will build you up, that will speak life into you, that will also challenge you. The A in this learning to live wise, ask questions and accept direction, correction. Ask questions and accept correction. Ask those tough questions. Ask those difficult questions that might challenge somebody to think a little bit more outside the box than what you've been accustomed to all your life. And also be able to accept the correction that maybe it's not the answer you thought you were going to hear or had wanted to hear, but is definitely the right answer that God has given to you. Remember and reinforce what you've learned. It makes no sense to go through all these teachings and all these readings and all these sermons if you're not going to reinforce anything that you have learned. And the last thing is, now do it. Do it. We've heard many messages already. I've been raised in the church. I've heard message after message about doing the work of God and not just listening. Don't be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So my challenge to you guys is to now just do it. Just do what? Choose to live wisely. That's what we need to just do. We need to start learning to live wisely. And it is my belief that as we go through this book series, I pray that we will learn the true purpose of our place here on earth, the true calling on each and every one of our lives. So as we go through this book, as we learn to live this 
wiser life. And as we embark on this journey with this book on what on earth am I here for, I just pray that we will understand that God's calling and God's purpose for each and every one of us is something so much more special than you could ever imagine. And that's where the true wisdom will come from. See, I've, I'll just give one short example and then I'm out of here. See, we were walking around Chicago, um, and I mentioned this in the first service, but you just meet so many, well, you don't even meet them, you just see a lot of people, and they just walk around like as if they have no meaning in their life. They just walk and they look angry and they're just going from one place to the other. They jump on the train and they sit down with a, this grumpy look on their face and you go to the restaurant and everybody's just staring at us. I remember this one lady, we were sitting on the train and everybody was just staring, she was staring at us because 12 Hawaiians walked onto this train and we were all laughing and having a good time. It was like a party at the back of the train and she was just peeking through the bar and the window and she was just like, what is this people doing? And I had, to, I had to explain to her, I was like, yeah, this is a crazy bunch, I know, I'm sorry, I apologize. But if you look at her expressions, it's, it's, it's as if everybody in Chicago just had this one-track mind and they had no idea where they were going or what they were doing or, or anything like that. So I wondered if we should have ever asked that question to them, what is your purpose, what is your calling? Maybe they don't know, maybe they don't understand what their purpose is or their calling and they're just going through life, going through the motions year after year, without ever truly understanding or ever truly gaining any kind of personal insight or wisdom or knowledge of what God has in store for them. Maybe then they could see the joy that we had is because we are trying to live this wiser life and trying to follow God and his calling and his purpose on our lives. See, I just thought about it just a little bit ago that the difference between our group and the other group that was just sitting blank with blank looks on their face is that maybe it is this love of God that might be living within us. And that was the biggest difference that that lady saw. It's not that we're a weird bunch, but it's that we stood out because we truly have this love of God. And we truly understand what our purpose might be and what our calling might be. So as we go through these seven weeks or six weeks, I pray that on you guys, that we all can discover what God's call in our lives are. And we can all answer this question of what on earth am I here for? So with that, may you bow your heads and we can pray.